Blog Talk Radio. He was up each morning with the dawn because he knew his daily run was long and hard and he had to be ready to get his freight train down the track determination he would never lack a little locomotive called Freight Train Freddy. Hi everyone, welcome to Getting on Top. I'm your host Paul Morris. We're here uh, Tuesdays from 4 to 4.30 p.m. That's East Coast time and we broadcast from the southern Hudson Valley region of New York State. If you're out of town, it's just the northern suburbs of New York City, my hometown. And if someone uh, would like to call in with a question or comment, you can call one three four seven two one five nine four five six. And uh, that little ditty was Freight Train Freddy from a book of the same name. It's a children's rhyming book that I wrote. And the uh, singer and songwriter uh, that you just heard was Peter Tazone, who was also the illustrator. Peter had some beautiful pictures in the book. And you can check them out at ftfcreations.com. That's FTF as in Freight Train Freddy. Creations.com. You could pick up the uh, e-version of the book for two ninety-nine, and uh, for the iPad or Kindle, the iPad version has the whole song. And you could also purchase the soft-covered version online. And uh, today, I'm very happy to have with us back again. Uh, Penny Cohen, and the name of the show today is Who's the Matter with Me, Part 2, and uh, we did a show a couple of years ago on the same subject, Ancestral Lineage lineage Influences Can Wreak Havoc on Our Lives. The field of epigenetics is proving that just like medical conditions may be passed down from generation to generation, so are mental and emotional issues. Therefore, our tendencies to act certain ways may be predetermined. However, we can overcome these tendencies. I will be interviewing Penny about ancestral lineage influences and ways to overcome them. Penny Cohen is a transformational psychotherapist, relationship counselor, and author of the book, Personal Kabbalah, 32 Paths to Inner Peace and Life Purpose. And you can find out more about Penny and what she's doing at www.pennycohen.com. And you can find out more about me, Paul Morris, at depressivesanonymous.org. That's depressivesanonymous.org. Hi, Penny. How are you in this lovely summer day? Hi, Paul. I'm wonderful. Thank you. And and it's glorious We actually have out. someone calling. Good, yeah. The weather's been nice. It's been a little hot, but very pleasant. I just came from a long walk, and uh, it was very nice. Um, now, someone is either calling in to listen to the show or has a question. So, uh, well, while we wait a little on the caller just kind of introduce the topic, and then we'll uh, see if the caller is interested in in talking on the air or just uh, listening to the show. 
So, uh, before we get started, uh, epigenetics is not a common term. I had to look it up myself. And uh, in layman's terms, it means how the environment has an effect on our genes. So that if you have a gene that's supposed to express certain things about us, uh, your particular environment, meaning your stress levels and things that happen to you, your emotions and so on and so forth, could have an effect on how this gene uh, expresses itself. And furthermore, this change actually takes place and correct me if I'm uh, going off here, this change that takes place from our environmental exposure and, you know, the way we uh, deal with life can actually be passed on to the next generation. Anything you want to add to that? No, that's probably right. I think for the purpose of this show, it's a matter of how environment affects the cells as well as how it's passed down from generation to generation, meaning just like medical conditions might be passed down, so are psychological and behavioral conditions passed down. And it's a matter of learning how to change the environment, and we can actually change the... the um, predetermined factors. Okay. Just to make clear it up for people, when we say environment, you know, we're not talking about global warming or anything like that. We're talking right. about, you know, our emotional condition and, you know, how we may be stressed out about things or the other way around, we may be very relaxed and so on and so forth, and that could have an effect on how the genes are expressed during our life. So... And, uh, and I'm going to okay. take it even further, Paul, yeah. uh, to um, say not just stress, but our thoughts, feelings, speech, and actions is the environment that can literally change our biology, not the genes. Uh, for instance, okay. I have four grandparents who all died of cancer. And by the time I was 13, and I remembered thinking to myself and often said out loud, I know I'm going to die of cancer because my grandparents did. <laughs> Excuse me. And once I got into this field and realized how powerful uh, the words we use are, I changed that immediately so I can live to a ripe old healthy age. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, so that well, would be a very simplified way of saying how the environment, which is our thoughts and feelings, can change our biology. So let's see if this caller is interested in uh, asking a question. Okay. Uh, hi, caller in 914 area code. Uh, do you have a question or comment? Are you just on to listen to the show? Hi, it's Jenny. How are you? Oh, hi, Jenny. Yeah, I was, um, no, I was um, interested in it because I'm not sure if it's the same thing, but I had a vortex healing that was uh, genetic. I I didn't really know what it was. It was a genetic thing where first she did my mother, then she did my father. 
So I just wanted to hear what Penny had to say because I didn't know if it was the same thing. It could be. I'm not that familiar specifically with vortex healing. Mm -hmm. However, if she was working on breaking the cords, it could be a similar thing. But uh, my work is more centered on us becoming aware of what the thoughts and feelings are Mm -hmm. so that we can break the cords by first of all being aware of them, feeling the emotional component of it or the core feeling. And the process I use then is calling on angels, archangels, and spirit guides to wrap that energy in light and love and take it to the light for healing. Then we work on bringing in pure light so that we're now a clear channel and changing the thoughts or the feelings, both really, being Mm -hmm. consciously aware of what they are and changing them. And it's also asking to heal any ancestors who may have the same thoughts, beliefs. I don't think I mentioned beliefs. Thoughts, beliefs, and feelings. And when we do that, you feel a tremendous release in your body. Well, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll take it. Now, you, you know it when you've released it now. What is interesting and what wasn't mentioned in the first show is when we release the energy or aspects, if you will, we want to speak to the energy and say, what if you say to me? Because some will say, I'm not ready to go. You, i got to teach you more. Or it may say, thank God I'm finally free. Or it may say, you're not ready to let me go. So there's it almost like that energy now that we've hopefully released becomes the client of trying to convince if that energy isn't ready to go, trying to convince it that their ancestors and spirit guides are there to help them go over, if you will, into the light and that it could be a wonderful healing. At the same time, it's an opportunity to look at the individual and look at the resistance to letting go. And the resistance could be because we've taken on a vow that we're going to heal either our mother and father, and we don't feel like we've done that. So it might feel like we're abandoning them. However, the true healing is freeing them. Also, we remain as a prisoner if we're keeping them close to us. Mm -hmm. The real feeling is freeing up this energy and opening to our own higher self, love, and wisdom. But we and really need to that you get do, you in touch with what the belief is and change it. Is this something that you do? That's the work that I do, yes. And, and, and how do you do that? It's through healings? 
No, I I don't I don't see myself as a a an I see myself I'm an energy healer but not mm-hmm. in the traditional sense of me healing you. Mm-hmm. I I help you come up with your own insights and for you to let go of the energy so that you really become aware of when this other energy is guiding you or whether you're really in your own, um, I call it umbilical cord for the lack of a better term, where Mm -hmm. you're in alignment with the flow and there's no past history influences from parents or even their siblings or grandparents. It's more you becoming aware of the energy and learning how to free it for yourself. Sounds very interesting. Yes, it does. I mean, because you can tell whether you've released it or not. And also by seeing the patterns in your life. Yes, Paul? Sounds like we need a guide for something like Don't try this at home. (laughs) I'm sorry, sounds like what? Don't try this at home, you know. In other words, you should do it with someone who guides you. Don't uh, mm-hmm. don't try it on your own. Excellent. Well, once you learn the process, you can do it on your own. Well, yeah, I mean, but I it, mean you need it, training it, or guidance to begin with. That's all I'm saying. Right. For instance, it it's interesting that. because we have the energy from our ancestors or we can even pick up energy just by walking by somebody or or being near them. For instance, I was at a meeting recently, and all of a sudden, some energy took over my body. And it, I, it almost felt like what people describe as a panic attack. My really? heart started to pound. I had jittery. I started to perspire. I said, what's going on here? And all of a sudden it hit me that somehow I took on somebody's energy. And once I became aware of it, I was willing to let it go. And I can do it through a a variety of ways, meaning through tapping, through kinesiology and muscle testing, through visualization and meditation, and sometimes just by the way we speak, we can let it go. The big thing is the awareness of it. If we're aware of it, it's much easier to let it go. And what happened was it was very interesting. I did let it go, and two days later I got a call from the woman I thought I'd pick the energy up from. And she said to me, have you been aware that I've been a little testy with you lately? I said, yes, very aware. She said, I'm so sorry. The night before our last meeting, I was with a friend who passed away in my arms. And I was told by a more traditional energy healer that his energy entered my body. And he was a very, very angry man. Wow. Interesting. Well, thank uh, Jenny, thanks for calling in. Okay. uh, Are there any other questions? Do you have any more questions? 
Um, yeah. No, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, if you didn't listen, I'm just going to take off your mic, okay? Or you can okay. stay on the mic if you want. That's okay. Sure. If you have something to say, I'll leave you on. All right. Um, so what about ancestral lineage? We didn't talk too much about that yet. I'm sorry. What uh, was the question, Paul? Ancestral lineage. We talk mostly about how it could affect, uh, you know, how our current situation could affect our our cells and our genes, and that we could pass on to, uh, you know, further generations. But what about right. and what? So what do we, you know? I mean, we know we could pick up our ancestors' physical traits through our genetics. But you're implying right. more here. Got it. So what is it? What else is there that we could pick up from our ancestors? Okay. We're not going to change physical traits. If you have blue eyes, the environment isn't going to change them to brown or vice versa. However, we change the structure of the DNA through, as we were just talking, our environment, the way we think the way we feel, the way we speak. Now, as far as genetic inheritance, last show we talked more about ancestors, but today I thought I'd talk more about descendants. Mm -hmm. The way of determining that we might be influenced by genetic um Influences, if you will, is by seeing patterns repeat themselves, such as I recently had a client who was getting divorced, and he said to me, my father was divorced, when, got divorced right around the same time he lost his job. This is happening to me now. It was also around the same time my mother got a job and started working. And now it's with my wife. It's the same exact pattern. It's scary. Or another woman said to me that she was ready to leave her husband and her family, her kids, because it was getting too stressful for her. And we, when we did a little bit of um, processing on ancestral lineage, she came up, and maybe she heard this story once from her parents. She came up with with the insight that her great-grandmother left her children and never returned when they were still young. And she said when she realized she was being influenced by that and we worked on letting it go, she made a very definite intention to stay no matter what. Mm. And you can change it. I mean, the the descendant thing, it's, it's fascinating. My ex-husband was the CFO of a major corporation. I have a grandson who eats, drinks, and talks finances and money, and he's only 13. 
has his own investments in the stock market. As a matter of fact, when he was around eight or nine, we were out to breakfast with him, and the waiter teasingly gave him the bill. He takes $40 out of his wallet and throws it on the table. And so what I'm saying is the financial or mathematical background is passed down from generation or or could skip a generation. In this case, my son actually is um, in finance as well, and now his son. It's just an automatic thing. Now we have two other grandchildren, his his siblings, but they could care less about it. It's just this well, one who seemed to have gotten that DNA. Well, you know, I, I don't want to throw you know water on the whole thing, but we can't. We can't. We, we, there is really no cause and effect here. There's just a, a if you will, a statistical, you know, just. You know, if some if someone's parent has something in you, it could be a coincidence too. Doesn't necessarily. I'm not saying it isn't, but I'm just saying it doesn't well, really it could, prove a yeah, case. It could be coincidence. Doesn't prove it a case. I mean, uh, you know, so we do have to be a little cautious with that. But uh, you know, uh, I you know I don't know. You know, it could uh, could have okay, attracted a. a a soul, there is a soul nature too, besides the physical, and he could have been, you know, attracted, you know, I don't know, to to be in this family, or maybe there's a relationship on the other side that that's relevant. But uh, you know, I mean, it, you know, it is a little. You got to be a little cautious about that. You know, we don't know for certain. Uh, well, but it is quite unusual. I will say that. See, I don't, I don't see where you have to be cautious about it. If you see patterns and you're not happy with it, then it's something you want to change. Yeah, I yeah, mean, but I'm no saying you can't into it. I mean, no, absolutely. I'm just saying you can't absolutely conclude because your father or your grandfather or someone, you know, something happened to them and you're similar doesn't necessarily mean. That you inherited. Besides, uh, that nature is more of a soul no, nature. Oh, okay. Than let, let me let me. Very good point, Paul. Um, one of the things that I work on is feelings in the body, and if there's a constriction someplace in the trunk of your body, it generally means there's repressing some feeling. And the feeling is the thermostat. The feeling is what tells us who's... Meaning when I work with people and do some processing, if there's something bothering them, I can ask them, where are you feeling it in the trunk of your body? The neck and shoulders. That's generally shame, grief, or hopelessness. If there's constriction in the heart area and chest, it's generally sad, lonely, hurt, or hate. And if it's in the genital area or stomach area, lower abdomen, it's generally fear. Then 
I'll ask, what does this remind you of from the past? And situations will come up basically intuitively from your body, cellular memories, if you will. And then I'll ask, what belief did you formulate about yourself? And they will know I'm not good enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not worthy. And then often, depending on the situation, if I think it is an ancestral issue, I'll ask, whose energy is this? And sometimes they'll just say mine, and I'll say no. Stay in touch with the feeling. Whose energy does this remind you of? And sometimes they'll come up with somebody they never really thought of. I had one client come up with an uncle who he realized that during this process he was mimicking. Another person could be a great-grandparent or definitely my father, only I didn't realize it because he doesn't act that way, but it's definitely his energy. So... When we go into the core feeling in the body and we ask whose energy is it, sometimes they'll just say, it's mine, it's definitely mine, and I remember when I first felt this way, in which case it is probably theirs. But that's when the the thermostat, I believe, is the core feeling in the body, I believe, You know, when they talk about God, what is God, I kind of call it the grand organizing design. And it shows us when we're not in alignment with the flow by the constrictions in the body. We're tight. We have fear, sadness. That's when we're closing off from love and wisdom. And it's learning how to open up again. So uh, we're getting a little close. We have about maybe 10 minutes, but um, I think it's important uh, since we opened up the topic about ancestral lineage and and you said how we could overcome it. So so you talked about some of the things, but in general, how do we uh, create a positive emotional environment for ourselves so we'll have the least amount of negative, uh, you know, DNA, uh, you know, acting in, in a negative or destructive way. Do you have a, you know, a, a an approach you could pass on? Well, I I have two premises and a promise. One of them is greatness is not measured by what we accomplish but what we've learned to overcome, embrace, and maintain. And what we want to overcome is any negativity, any repressed feelings, any derogatory speech, and, of course, demeaning behavior. And the second premise is enlightenment is not an end result. It's a daily practice of processing our thoughts, feelings, speech, and action. 
and transforming them to truth, love, and wisdom. So, so so what what can people do on a day-to-day basis? That's a little, you know. Right, I I developed. It sounds great, but it, you know, it's a little difficult sometimes for people to translate in their daily lives. You know, and a lot of people aren't as uh, familiar with these kinds of ideas and may not be that easy to translate that into, you know, normal day-to-day activities and thoughts. So is there a way to kind of start, to aim towards? Well, they could start by taking a workshop on it, which I will be offering probably next (laughs) month or or perhaps September might be better. But also I've developed two pages of questions to ask yourself to be able to overcome whatever issues are bothering you, whether they're ancestral, whether they're current, and transform them to love and truth. And if there's resistance, then there's a second page. Um, what are we resistant to? And there's a lot of resistance to letting go of this ancestral influence because it's our life force. We come in with it. So it feels like we're it, it's in us. It's not so easy to let it go. One of the things, as I mentioned a little earlier, is that it feels like we're abandoning the person or... We hold on to it thinking that this person needs to learn a lesson. If it's a parent who was abusive, we got to make them accountable for their actions. So it's not so easy to let it go. And that takes right. practice of building up self-esteem and self-worth in order to really be on our own without this energy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I just want to add, in general, from my experience and uh, my days on this planet, and what I, you know, the changes I've gone through, and I've gone through a number of um, the two things that stand out in my mind that that help us overcome things and make changes or become what we want to be, you know. Uh, enter into a field of endeavor, whatever it might be. First is intention. You know, we really have to have a clear intention. It's a very powerful Mm -hmm. thing that we want something. We have to be very clear and make up our mind that this is what we want. So oftentimes, way too often, people vacillate and they think they're moving. Well, you know, they talk about, well, when this happens, I'll do this, and when that happens, happens I'll do that and that never works because first of all you can't depend on your surroundings to uh, to help you you never know what's going to be you never know what direction and besides you should be the one who is driving your train or your bus and that takes intention so you know rather than floundering around you know doing nothing is a decision also so if you want something or you want to change anything, you need to have that clear intention. And the second thing is courage. It's scary. It's a, it's frightening to change. 
You know, it's easy to stay the way we are. And even in science, I, I studied a lot of science uh, in school. Uh, you know, uh, and things, you know, things tend to remain the way they are, even even as the physical things. Uh, things at rest tend to remain at rest, and things in motion tend to remain in motion. And uh, so we need to actually, you know, have the courage to change something. So I think those two things, you know, even though it may not be an easy thing to do, uh, are important to at least consider if you want to make a change or, you know, do something. Um, and that's my well two said. Things. Jenny, anything would you like to add? Any thoughts? Okay. Uh, well, thank you, Penny, for being my guest, and Jenny my for calling pleasure. in. Uh, I think it was a bit different from the last one. As yes, you, uh, it was. I, it was. I figured it would be. So it's perfectly <laughs> fine. And uh, so, Jenny, uh, what is your website, by the way? As long as you're on, you can tell people what that is in case they want find out what you're doing. Oh, genuinelyjenny.com. Genuinelyjenny.com. Yeah, genuinelyjenny.com. <laughs> genuine. <laughs> like being genuine? Being yeah. Real. Like genuinely, genuinely, what was the second word? Jenny. G-I-N-N-Y. Okay. It's a very nice website. I've been there. Excellent. And... Uh, Penny, anything coming up that you want people to know about what you're doing? No, however, I will be. If anybody wants to send me an email, I'll be happy to put you on the mailing list for when I do a class on ancestral lineage. So please send an email to penny at pennycohen.com and just add in the subject line ancestral lineage. Okay, Excellent. sounds good. Okay, thank you. And again, uh, if anyone wants to find out more about what I do, I work with emotional healing, and uh, I help people heal their depression. And you can go to depressivesanonymous.org, depressivesanonymous.org. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening, and thank you, uh, Penny and Ginny, for uh, thank you. being thank you, uh, on the air with me. And uh, we'll be back next week. Okay. Thank you. Have a good week. Bye now. Bye. He was up each morning with the dawn because he knew his daily run was long and hard and he had to be ready to get his freight train down the track determination he would never lack the little locomotive called freight train Freddy. Everybody was his friend and they all helped him to the end to keep those freight cars rolling along steady. He never knew what to expect and was very careful not to wreck 
the little locomotive called Freight Train Freddy. The little locomotive called Freight Train Freddy. 